Episode 47 of the Pie at the Pilot podcast takes off now. What is going on, AV Nation, and welcome back to the Pie at the Pilot podcast, episode number 47. This is a special one. A few weeks ago, I asked you guys to send in your questions to Drizzle and Stabilizer Motion so they can do an Ask Me Anything, and guess what? You have an hour and 45 minutes of goodness. Aviation, not much of an introduction today, as you already know who these two are, and if you don't, well then listen up, because you're about to hear some of Aviation Instagram's finest. Well, former Aviation Instagram finest. I do want to say one thing. Do not message me. Ask me when they will come back on Instagram or social media, as I do not know, and I doubt they ever will as they talk about in this podcast this might be the last time you ever hear from them on social media i do want to say thank you to cadence aviation they are doing a giveaway giving away two headsets stabilizer motion and drizzle chose two people that ask the best questions they will go ahead and announce that at the end of this episode so if you are the winner dm me or email me pilot the pilot hq at gmail.com and i will send you a cadence aviation headset Cadence Aviation makes some amazing headsets. They are very affordable and of great quality. I highly recommend you check them out, cadenceaviation.com. If you don't want to spend $1,000 on a light speed of Bose or even a higher-end David Clark, check out Cadence Aviation. You will not regret it. Aviation, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out on Instagram at PilotThePilot. And you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash pilot. Your donation goes straight to the podcast and it helps me create the content that you hear today and eventually, hopefully, some new stuff as well. 2019 is coming and I want to do some amazing things. So let's go ahead, support us on Patreon and let me know what you think of the podcast on iTunes. Aviation, I'm not going to hold it up anymore. Here is Ask Me Anything with Drizzle and Stabilizer Motion. Welcome to the special edition episode of the Pilot to Pilot podcast. I'm your guest host, Kurt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin. In this episode, we will answer listener questions, and at the end, we will pick our two favorite questions. Those two listeners will win a headset from Cadence Aviation. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. I'm sorry we couldn't get to all of them. First thing we'd like to do is introduce ourselves, then we'll get into the questions. So, Kevin, tell me a little bit about your background, what you're flying now, and the route you took to get there. Well... Hi, everybody. I uh, got to my current position of flying a Boeing 757767 for a major legacy U.S. airline by starting flying when I was 13, flying all through my high school years, through college, went over to Aviation University. Then I flew Ember 145s, 170, 175s for two airlines that don't exist anymore. Then I got hired at an airline to fly 320s, which doesn't exist anymore. Ooh, 757 there too. And then I flew 190s and 75767s for my current airline. That's about it. And you do some flying outside of the airline too, right? Yeah, that's the good stuff. I uh, own my own airplane. I uh, aircraft owner of a 1967 champion Citabria. All right. My name's Kurt. I'm also a first officer at a... Uh, major U.S. legacy airline flying the A320 based in Philly. I started flying when I was 15. I've flown CRJs, E170s, and the infamous Dash 8 Q400 for a few different regionals. And I was also an air traffic controller in the Pennsylvania National Guard. Thank you for your service. (laughs) At my current airline, I've flown the MD-80, and I'm currently on the 320. And... 
I also fly gliders, uh, and I have my commercial glider license. Mm. Yeah. So let's get into the questions. Uh, some of these are kind of silly. Some of these are serious, and I hope uh, our answers are informative. Uh, keep in mind that this is just our opinion. Uh, you know, if you don't agree with us, that's fine. Uh, there's a million ways to skin a cat, so don't just take our word for it. Our advice is worth what you pay for it. So, yeah. <laughs> unless you uh, unless you give uh, the podcast money, in which case you're probably getting ripped off. Just kidding. Uh, here we go. But when you're right, you're right. <laughs> All right. So the first question is, where where the hell are you guys, <laughs> Kevin? You can take that one. Yeah, I'm just living my life, man. Yeah, living life. I live in Pennsylvania now, so the Ohio flight. The Ohio Flight Mafia is uh, Rust no Belt. more. Rust Belt Flight Mafia? Yeah, I'll, yeah that I'll works. take that. that, that. Yeah. yeah, that'll work. Rust, Rust Belt Flight Mafia. Okay. Yeah. All right, next question. All right. Uh, how about, yeah, I want to ask you that. How can you trust Stabilize Most and Drizzle to take care of your show? How are they paying you? Or how much are they paying you? Is this the makings of a secret society of Instagram aviation? Uh, All right, so we need to... For those of you who don't know who we are, uh, Justin found us on Instagram. We used to be highly active on there. We're basically D-list celebrities. We had a mild cult following. D-minus, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and most of us are, uh, well, both of us are, are off now. Um, so if you hear us referred to as Stabilizer Motion or Drizzle, those were our, our names on there. But uh, now we're just Kevin and Kurt, so... Um, no, we're not uh, making a secret society of Instagram aviation because we're not on there. So. Right. Correct. <laughs> Cannot stress that enough. Uh, let's see. Next question. How do you adapt to the routine of working for an airline and working the long hours? So, Kevin, you can start that. Uh, that's an interesting question because I have no idea. It's so long ago. Um, working the long hours... Uh, it's different for me now because I work mostly in augmented flying, you know, with uh, three or more pilots. So um, it's not as critical because I'm always guaranteed a bit of a nap. But I'm doing like all domestic this month. So like the last couple nights I've been staying up late because I know my whole trip starting tomorrow is all late finishes. So it really is to look ahead a bit and uh, you know, try to pattern your sleep cycle as much as you can. Hard to do with red eyes, as you yeah. know, but... Uh, I mean, routine, uh, my routine is to, when I step off the airplane and go home, I just forget that I work for an airline. Yeah. yeah. That's, how I, that's how I do it. And then I remember like 24 hours prior to going back. I'm like, oh yeah, I got to uh, right. get, get in the zone. Well, I think this is a pretty good question. Yeah. It's For me, it's like, I don't think I ever adapt. I think it's probably the worst part of the job for me is, is mm. the, at, flying at night, flying at weird hours, waking up super early. Uh, it makes it much worse when you commute, which Kevin does. I, I drive to work now, but uh, when you commute by airplane, it adds a whole nother aspect that you know you try to sleep when you can. Uh, but I don't think this job is probably the healthiest because oh, no. oh, goodness of, no. uh, of the weird hours. So you really just have to try to manage your stress, manage your home life. Uh, and and 
and manage your sleep cycle as best you can. But there's sometimes there's just no way around it. You're going to be exhausted. So and that was from uh, at Aviator Zenda for that question. All right. I, I, I couldn't help but notice that you skipped over a question from Hambino One Actual. I did. Was yeah. a big fan of <laughs> Bless the Rains in Africa. Whoops have did it. So that question goes to you, Kurt. Who did right. Bless the Rains in Africa? Um, that's a, I don't know. So that's why I skipped it because I yeah. didn't have an answer to it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Hambino. Uh, it was a good question, though. The correct answer was me. It's done. Okay. All right, next. Uh, why don't I give one? I give you this one, uh, and I'll chime in as well because I, I have thoughts. All right, thoughts about a flow through <laughs> with American? Is it something where it's worth it to wait for the flow? Better to apply to other airlines and use the flow as a backup? Question uh, mark. Benefits and issues with the flows? That is from at zwilk18. Okay, so I get this question from so many people uh, that are just starting out, and I'll answer it the same way I tell them. If I were starting out again, I would go to a flow airline and use it as a backup. Uh, I would apply to other airlines that you're interested in. And if you don't get called, well, you're going to go to American. And that's also great. So I think it's probably one of the, the best uh, things that have happened for people that are just starting out because we didn't have this when we started. No, we did not. And, and, and really, American's the only one that has a true flow, as far as I understand. I think the other airlines just have like a, uh, uh, a guaranteed interview, which yeah, isn't something like thing. that. Yeah. So if one of the three wholly owned American regionals uh, fit your lifestyle, where you want to live and all the other things, it's not a bad deal, um, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. I think there's a lot of opinions about it. Uh, and you asked about the benefits and the issues. Uh, well, the benefits are pretty clear. <laughs> the benefits are clear. You have a pretty mainline job without all the strife of trying to apply and uh, interview and face check. And, and I, I just want to say one more thing. I, I, I don't really want to talk about the issues too much, but um, I do hear... You know, people just starting out and they say, oh, but I have to wait, you know, seven or eight years. That's what they're advertising. Well, my man, you know, <laughs> there are yeah. people still at regionals waiting for calls after 15 or 20 years. Yeah, so I have, uh, I would say a good half of my classmates at my airline that doesn't exist anymore are still there. Right. Through, through all to their own. Right. So, so some 23-year-old kid uh, asking why he hasn't flown yet kind of rubs people the wrong way. It does. Yeah. That's I, the I, nicest I, thing I'm going to say. That's <laughs> probably going to be the only thing I say. I think, you know, it just depends on your attitude. Like, uh, being able to just flow without an interview is, is really one of the best blessings that somebody that's starting out in, in this industry could yeah. ever have because no one's had it before you. So, uh, you know, if you have to wait eight years, Big deal. I mean, the regionals are so much better now as far as pay and quality of flight. Is yeah. It, no, it's not the best. Of course not. But you can make it good. You can live in base. You can do things to to make it okay. You, you get paid okay. You don't have to sleep on park benches. Right. Exactly. There, it, I would go to a flow place and use it as a backup if it fits your other criteria. Right. If you're, if you're, go, if you're going airline. If you're going airline, like you can't not, you can't not try TBH. Right. 
So is there anything else you want to say about it, Kevin? No. Otherwise, I'd probably lose my job. Okay. Um, do you think Instagram aviation as a community is dead? And now it's only pilots are clout chasing with no gas in the tank. So we're kind of old. So the word clout, I guess uh, that's like the new slang for people. Uh, I don't know. I, I watch enough YouTube to know what it means. Okay. Well... Kevin, do you want to take that? Yeah, Mr. Bow Mr. Bowser, Miss Baby. Anyway, is the Instagram aviation community dead as it dead? No, it's clearly not dead. Is it only pilots clout chasing with no gas in the tank? Yes, and it kind of always has been. I mean, it has been, including us. Including and us, yeah. I think that there's a lot of pilots on there. It's not just pilots. The whole Instagram yeah. As yeah, a, whole, is a very... Thing. Uh, narcissistic. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but it mostly is. I mean, it just appeals uh, to our, the the worst in our natures. Yes, that's exactly right. And the uh, the uh, personality type that's driven, you know, attracted to aviation, it's just it's not a great mix. I right. Mean, clearly. Uh, so no, is it is it dead? No. Is it all just clout chasing? Yes, but yeah, always has been. So, but some people uh, get that clout and get like cosmetic deals, yeah. right? Which is like whatever you want to do with your, right. your with your free time or whatever. But we, we we're going to talk about this probably a lot about yeah, why we're not on Instagram. Eight pages of questions. I'm sure yeah. it will come up again. So we'll, we'll we'll touch on this a little bit more once we get into it. But we we don't want people turning the podcast off yet. So. Yeah, especially when about to, you should ask me this next question. <laughs> yeah, okay. So next question is also relevant to Instagram. Uh, from Jetlag Jeff, have you ever gotten in trouble with your company for your Instagram accounts? Well, Jetlag Jeff, yes. Yes, I have not. Um, my Instagram account was a little less uh, spicy. spicy than spicy. Kevin's. Yeah, spicy. Um, there are each company has a spelled out uh, social media uh, policy, which I even called my chief pilot to clarify a few things because I wanted to make a hundred percent sure that things that I were posting weren't going to get me in trouble. Um, the company we work for has a pretty loose uh, policy. Well, the social social media policy is very loose, very loose. Uh, however, yeah, there are yeah. yeah. So the social media policy at our current employer, because it's the same employer, is actually very loose and uh, pretty freewheeling. And even as spicy as my account was, it never ran afoul of that policy. Uh, what I ran afoul of is a single line that prohibits the use of any personal electronic device for any use ever past a certain point in the before start checklist. Um, actually, as I understand it, we are not the only ones like that. So if you are currently seeing uh, pictures from uh, people who are major airline pilots, maybe some of the low-cost carriers. In the U.S. In the, U in the U.S. I must stress in the U.S. because uh, we're backwards in more ways than one. Um, if you're seeing any pictures at all from inside an airplane, they're likely running afoul of their manuals, which um, in the 121 world means they're running afoul of federal regulations. So I was. And uh, I won't talk about how. I got turned in, but I was turned in, uh, and uh, now I don't do that anymore at all. Yeah, which is among, the among other reasons, but which we yeah learned. yeah well the, the, that's uh, sort of the genesis of my thought process for leaving social media altogether. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, um, 
I would look for more people to get in trouble as time goes on. Yes. Just like there's plenty of people from our current airline who post way worse stuff than we ever have and have never been turned in or told to stop, which is ironic. <laughs> Next question. Um, this is from the CT Fly Guy. Who flew, guy. who flew the Q400 better, Drizzle or Stab or Rich? Um, for those of you who don't know, Rich is the guy who, uh, stole a Q400 from the Seattle airport and went for a joyride. Mm. Um, Kevin and I have also joyrided in a Q400, but it was in the simulator. Um, it's a good video. It was a really good, it was really a lot of fun. We, we got let loose in a Q400 sim to do whatever we wanted. We did aerobatics, all kinds of stuff. Um, the Q, click like, click like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah. The, the Q can loop. As proven by all three of us. All three of us. Um, it doesn't roll very well. It does not. Uh, very heavy aileron forces. Yes, it's a real <laughs> exactly. Um, so I would say Rich did because he did it in real life. I don't condone that, but uh, he did. He did with zero experience fly a pretty complicated airplane, which was amazing to watch. Every time I take off out of Seattle now, I'm just I'm just like in awe that any of that happened. Indeed. I'm uh, disappointed that people uh, make light of this, to be honest. The guy committed suicide. No, oh, yeah, it was awful. He was, a, he was a troubled young man, and now there's t-shirts about it. So if I see you wearing one of those t-shirts, I know you're an asshole. Right, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, there's fact, not much got, we can say about this it. World, this world is full of sad young men who have nothing to lose, and we're all laughing about this, dude. Right. So, honestly, bad question. Okay, uh, next. Next. Go ahead. Now, what's the craziest crosswind speed you've had to land in? Had to land in. That's funny. Yeah, what's the craziest cross? What's your crosswind record there, Kurt? Well, it would be 35 knots because that's the max crosswind of the airplane. Um, I mean, I don't know what what more there is to say about it besides, you know, you have your... First of all, you don't have to land in anything you don't want to. Um, but the limitations of, of airliners are usually around... Well, I would say 35 to 39. Yeah, depending. I mean, depending, uh, it, but also it depends on what your airline says because a uh, certain <laughs> airline we used to work for uh, uh, stressed the demonstrated part of that demonstrated crosswind up until uh, about yeah. 2009. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I won't say what airline or airplane that was, but it was 52 knots for me in LaGuardia during a nor'easter. Oh, well, there you go. I didn't know that. It was so great that we stopped, we pulled into the uh, gate and we were deplaning, and uh, my FO turned to me and said, uh, Are you going to shut down that engine? Because we were both so, <laughs> I was so spaced out, the engine was still running. <laughs> that was a lot of work. All right. Um, the next question is oh, from. Ask this question. Please ask this question. Dylan Dida. What is the best airline to go to for a career? All right. Uh, Dylan. Don't ask questions like this. Nobody knows. No. Nobody knows. And what the, the right answer is now, which is already a wrong answer, will be different by the time you get there. Correct. And it's um, also highly individual and based oh, on yeah. based on so many variables that we Some don't people want to live in Sanford, Florida. Some people want to live in Sanford, Florida and do nothing but turns. That's a great way to go to work for like Allegiant. Right. You know, not everybody wants to work for Allegiant. Right. You know, not everybody wants to work for uh, Delta Airlines. Right. You know. Yeah, it's just so highly individual. We can't really answer that. Yeah, Ryanair. Um, go to Ryanair. Yeah. Um, okay. Next. 
I think it's your turn, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, oh, I think so. Does Stab Daddy miss shoveling coal into the Mad Dog, or is he happy on the baby bus by happy Dominic? Happy on the baby bus. G-G. Is he happy on the baby bus? Uh, Tell me why. Why am I? Okay, there's a lot of questions about, about Airbus on here, too, which we'll get into. But basically, the air conditioner works really well. Really um, well. Which on the Mad Dog and DFW in the middle of the summer, I felt like I was going to die. Mm. Uh, it's a lot less work, which I don't go to work to really work harder than I need to. Um, the routes are better. Yes. Uh, it's more comfortable. I mean, that's the number yes. one thing. The, the, the flight deck in the Airbus is is made with forethought for pilot comfort. Yeah, it's um, pretty sweet. Which is when you're on a six or seven hour, you know, transcon or whatever, it's it's uh it makes a huge difference in your in your quality of life. Um so that's all I'm gonna say there. I mean yeah. the mad dog is cool to fly, don't get me wrong. It was I'm glad I got to do it, but But not for that long. You don't want to uh, I'm always confused by people who are really, really into that airplane. It's like it's cool like in a joking way right exactly i mean it's you it's can't cool. see, you can't see the compass without the use of what two mirrors right it's cool until you it's actually have to airplane. do it for a living and then it's yeah. like all right I'm, I'm this was neat for like the first yeah. six months but. yeah there's a time that i rode the jump seat with you actually my yeah. last seven five trip the first time it was seven and i was like it's like being in like a, this a steampunk airship it's like what are you you're <laughs> you are manually moving a valve with your hands that's connected to a knob connected to a like a cable that's going back 140 feet it's stupid it's 2017 or 18 or whatever that was yeah Ugh. oh boy uh, uh, next question maddie one i six asks can stab daddy and drizzle make a joint meme account no that's, but a no that's a big no we're not on any social media anymore but i do from time to time ghost write memes and i hand them to people who are on there and they put them on the internet so sometimes you might see some memes he prints them out and hands them to him i literally send them via snail mail postal service to a few people who are kind enough to insert them on the internet for me. So sometimes you might see some memes that I have made without uh, anonymously. All right, next question. All right. Uh, how much drizzle could the drizzle drizzle if the drizzle could drizzle drizzle? Um, a lot. That one doesn't count. I'll ask you another one. Okay. Oh. Actually, this one is related. Are you still on Fifi? Which is a yes, we know that. Or have you moved on to the wide body life? That's a no. Also, did I show you the Kurt pillow? What's the Kurt pillow? I did show it to you. It was the pillow of somebody's face that looks exactly like you. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. Um, well, it, you probably would have. Uh, and that was from OC Aviation, who... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. That right, right, one didn't count e either, I think. Uh, okay, next. All right, I'll, I'll ask you to on here. Oh boy, this is a long one. I'm not sure where to slide in the DMs. I'm fairly new to the podcast, but I was wondering what you all find to be the most challenging aspect of being pilots for you that is outside of anything you do with actually flying the airplane or planning trips. That right. is a good question. Adam Kevin Davis. Really good question. And, um, go ahead, Kevin. What's the most challenging aspect? Uh... For me, it's commuting still. Commuting is still the most challenging thing. It's like a uh, really shitty unpaid second job. Um, finishing a trip, whether it's flying 10 and a half hours back from Budapest to land and find out that you're not getting home, then you're going to sit around the airport for, you know, what could be 18 hours, uh, is sleeping, 
Sleeping on a lazy boy on the ground. Sleeping on a lazy boy. I I yeah, I make enough money now that I'll get a hotel if I can find one. But I didn't. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I just can't. I, well, I just can't anymore with the with the recliners. Well, so. sometimes it's not worth getting a hotel when your commute's at five a.m. and you got in at midnight. You know. That's, yeah, that, that, that is true. what I ran into a lot. Thankfully, Philadelphia has uh, one of those minute suites. They run a pretty good deal for pilots, so you can get like eight hours of like a mattress in a closed off room. Right. If they're available, so that that was always pretty sweet. But the it, by far the most challenging part of the job is getting to and from work. Yeah, for me, I think it's uh, staying healthy, uh, being able to exercise regularly, sleep uh, regularly, and eat healthy is really hard. You you really almost have to pack your own food. The food out on the road is horrible. Um, the sleep cycles are horrible, which we already touched on. But for me, it's it's really just trying to like not develop uh, diseases by the time we're sixty-five. Yeah. Don't lose our medical. That's uh, a pr- that's a pretty good point, actually. Since we're going back to international, I put on like an easy five pounds just because of the time of day that I wound up eating. Because I wound up having a meal on the flight over in the middle of the night, usually somewhere between like ten and one in the morning. That's a bad yeah. time of eating, and then you know, sl- like sleep deprivation, especially you do back-to-back red eyes or back-to-back international trips, like. Your body is pretty much really angry. I don't know how some of these dudes who are like sixty-five or sixty-four and a half do it. No, but there's guys that look like they're ninety who've been flying, you know, a while. Yeah. But you know, they're like, you know, they're less than sixty-five, but they look so old just because of the job. You know, years of of night flying. Cosmic rays. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm gonna skip this next one. And yeah, it's well, I'm at twenty-nine. Stupid question. Go away. Uh, Let's see. <laughs> kind of dumb. Um, let's see. You Kevin, marked it to be red. No, I didn't. Oh, I didn't mean to. Kevin, can you please be my dad? Um, he left to buy my real dad left to buy milk, and he's never been back. As I type this out, uh, inside of a flight that's boarding, I'm getting very weird looks from passengers next to me. Who is who? What? Oh God. <sighs> Can you please also make me a pizza? Kevin is a pizza maker connoisseur, so... Uh, I'm in training. Uh, uh, can I please be your dad? Yes. Actually, I always have been. That's why I left to buy milk and never came back. Uh, can, I, can, I make, can I make you a pizza? Yes. Will I? No. That's why All I left. Right. Next question. That didn't thank, you, th- thank you, Aviation Delta. How, you this, this you are a funny kid, by the way. I don't know how old you are, but you are a funny kid. I remember him. <laughs> this question is from Aviator Zenda. How did you know this is what you wanted to do in life? Was it something you always loved doing, or did you just fall in love with it uh, at your job? Uh, well, I, I sort of always wanted to do this. This is on my podcast that I did with uh, Justin, but uh, after my incidents, I had him remove the podcast forever. Um, so try to be pretty quick about it. Uh, where, where we lived, I could see airplanes approaching both uh, Kennedy and LaGuardia, especially on the days where they're landing 2-2 in bad weather. So I was always captivated, like close enough that I could see like control services moving on like airplanes going into Kennedy, especially right by the final approach fix. Um, and my high school was uh, right near the approach path for Kennedy. And uh, man, I always knew when the Concorde was coming, you couldn't get me back to pay attention. So I always wanted to do it. Uh, and I really, really wanted to do it when I rode up front uh, on a United DC-10 
and they left me up there for like two hours and i watched these three guys just give each other shit for three hours across the country and i was like yeah this is this is what i gotta do so definitely came pretty primed to love the job yeah same same here ever since i was a little kid um it's just always what i wanted to do so uh, i think i think the people who enjoy this career the most are the people who just have it in their blood there's some people who you know do this career because they think they're going to make money and have a lot of time off and they're usually pretty miserable Um, (laughs) you know uh also second career people that get into this end up liking it a lot because once they work a real job and they come to this career they're usually some of the happiest guys uh next question let's skip all the way down to uh talking about the radar you see that question kevin yeah okay all right. Uh, well, I'll let you take this one. Can you explain how the tilt on the weather radar works? <laughs> Not really. I, think, graph. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should probably be able to, but uh, I think you just move a little knob and it points up or down and you try to hit the weather um, so that it's kind of like, I, really, it, it, it is hard to explain over a podcast and I'll put right. people to sleep. Yeah, so how, the answer is no. Yeah. How about uh, the tilt angle? You control it. You control it. You want to control it because you're working in 3D space, and you want to be able to uh, paint the tops of the echoes from where we're flying mostly. Uh, so you move the knob. It changes the tilt of the dish. Actually, dishes barely move anymore. They're like phased array radars. Um, but if you want to know more, look up. Uh, look up and see if you can find old videos by Gar called Archie Trammel. Uh, I watched a lot of those in college. Not because like I like them, but that was like in college courses. He's like, I think he's dead now, but he like invented all of the techniques we use nowadays to use aviation weather radar onboard weather radar. On the Airbus, it's automated um, and it works well, really well. On, so. on some of them, it is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> on some of them, it is automated and it's very nice. And it's so much better than what you can do anyway. The multi, yeah, yeah. modern multi-scan radars. I think the. 738s have the same sort of deal. I think theirs is even better. They they do some very interesting things. Modern multi-scan radars were sweet. So was the uh, 170-190 radar. I'm sure you remember that. That was a really good radar. Yeah, it was a good radar. Good radar. I don't, I don't like flying into thunderstorms. So the next question I'm going to ask is also one we can't really answer, but uh, a lot of people asked about EASA, um, which is like the European FAA, I think. Um, yeah. We're both U.S. pilots, uh, the, the question was, what is the process for converting licenses, um, such as the FAA to ESA, EASA? Um, I've never really dealt with any of that. There's a lot of European pilots on Instagram that would know that kind of stuff, but we don't. We just deal with yeah. FAA. So. Yeah, I fly airplanes. Uh, I never worked at a school that did conversions either when I was flight instructing, so no real clue. Uh, I suggest hitting up one of the many, many prolific European uh, accounts because I know a lot of them did training in the States too. Yeah, so um, this guy's asking about fuel prices. At Pierce is asking, uh, why are aviation fuel prices rising and how will the world combat the loss of fuel once it runs out, potentially synthetics? Another thing I can't speak on, I have... no, yeah, but that. Why, well, why are aviation fuel prices rising? Because oil has been rising up until right. a month ago. No, right. it's back, no, it's going back down. Thank you, Saudi Arabia. 
how combat lost the fuel? I don't know. They just, uh, that stupid iron drive airplane just flew the other day. Yeah, engineers so. are way, way smarter than us. So yeah. they, they'll figure it out. Um, or we'll be out of a oh, job. Which is yeah, hard. exactly. They'll probably engineer pilots out of the job. So there's that. Can't uh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, go ahead. Yeah, if next. you had to start all over, what path would you take? How would you get your license, Kurt, from at Quinn Pritt? Um, I answered this on my podcast. Uh, I would start flying young. I think that's the best way to do it. Um, but I also think that um, joining the Air Force National Guard is a good deal. Um, probably do that and regionals at the same time. Um, I think that's the best way. If you can stomach the military, which yeah. I, I see, did. I so you have to kind of be a true believer, which I never was. So. Yeah. Military is not for everybody. It's not for yeah. me anymore. It, when I was younger, it was. But uh, I don't think I would go back at this point. Um, but yeah, just start young. Um there's a million ways to do it. It's such a hard answer to quite a hard question to answer because I don't know you. I don't know anything about. There's so many variables that are personal on how to do it. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. I think the only thing I would change the way I did it is I got an aviation degree, and I probably wouldn't get an aviation degree. Uh, yeah, I did too. Because I feel, you know, pretty much. Uh, hemmed into being an airline pilot right, yeah if we lost our job i mean what are we gonna do like I, i'm gonna probably work at uh you know a supermarket i always thought i would want to be, melons yeah i always thought i would want to be like a, a subsistence farmer but um, i'm reminded <laughs> constantly that i'm too lazy to do anything so that's very, none of my crops will grow so uh next question have this is from m alton have you found flying the Glidey Boys uh, and Tail Dragger, which is uh, what we do in our in our spare time, improve your stick and rudder skills in the respective aircraft types that you currently fly? <laughs> uh, well, yes and no. Uh, for me, Tail Dragger-wise, a lot of people put a lot of weight on Tail Dragger pilots being better. You're really only a better pilot below 50 knots, and the amount of time I spend below 50 knots in a Boeing 767 is uh, negligible. So, right. Um, if anything, it teaches you to be a little more vigilant because you always have to fly the airplane until it stops. So it's good to be in that mindset in any airplane you fly. But honestly, other than being pretty good at kicking out a big crab in like gusty crosswinds, no. Big it enough. doesn't translate very well. Is there some carryover? Yes, probably a little bit. Um, yeah, but what does what does you fly and glider have anything to do with you know the French voting machine you fly? Right, right. The Airbus is like fly by wire. It trims for you. It, it's it's mostly managing. Uh, there is no seat of the pants in that airplane. There's no seat of the pants. So it there's not much carryover at all. Um, but it's fun. And we like to do it. Uh, yeah. So the next question is from NH Aviation. How do you, okay, this is, this is where we'll probably get into Instagram a little bit more. He says, how do you feel about the overall aviation community on Instagram and what's the more toxic side? I'm not sure what you mean by that, but. Yeah, I don't know what the more toxic side means, but. The whole thing is toxic in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. The, the Social media in general and uh well, Facebook's worse, but Instagram has its own problems that it's tough because, you know, I had been mostly gone and I go to Oshkosh and I wound up meeting a ton of people that I never would have met if it weren't through uh, social media. That's right. And I've made a lot of, uh, you know, 
friends and friendships formed by Instagram. So it's hard for me to say that it's toxic and terrible, but it kind of really is. Um, and that goes for all social media. It's yep. just, you know, uh, you know, Bowser talked about clout chasing. It's just nonstop. It is. It's just nonstop. Whether you're trying to produce content or uh, try to inflate your uh, image in front of others, it's just yep. a lot. And the thing is, like, some people have been very successful. Some people have turned it into, like, cosmetic deals or light bulbs or whatever. But, like, the vast majority of people aren't going to be able to do that. No, most, most people are wasting their time on it. At, and that's like the most benign is yep. that you're just wasting your time. It, and it gets worse from there. Yeah, that's the least of the problems for sure. It's a time suck that you, uh, we could go on and on about it. There's a book um, called uh, 10 Reasons to Quit Social Media Now. If you're, if you're on the edge of, if you're, if you're feeling like something's wrong with your social media usage, I highly recommend reading it. I forget the author's name. Kevin might know, but uh, Jaron Lanier. Yes, um, there's there's a bunch of articles about it too, about how it's affecting our entire generation, how it's making people depressed, how it's not making you happy. Um, it's affecting politics in a negative manner. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on about the negative. Yeah. Aspects of it. Well, here's the thing: is the, uh, truly a lot of our audience when we were popular are significantly younger than us i'm 38 you're what 33 now and most of these guys are what early 20s back to teenage years right and you know we're talking about people who literally haven't uh because if they're 23 now they're 23 13 or so is when the iphone came out and and facebook started being in your hand Uh, these folks and through no fault of their own have never lived a life without social media. And that's why I'm sure you got, and they're still getting reactions like, why did you leave? It's like, right. well, because you and I remember a life without it. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a great book right now out, uh, Coddling of the American Mind by Jonathan Haidt. And I can't remember his co-author's name, but the statistics are really grim. This generation yeah. that started, you know, born in 1995, so a good, what, uh, 10 years younger than you and a little yeah. bit for me, have never lived without these things in their young adult lives, even in their, their late childhood, you know. And the stats are bad, man. Yeah. Uh, males in that generation are seeing an uptick of suicide at 25%. Mm-hmm. And even more surprising than that is uh, young women of that generation uh, suicides are up, I think, 65 or 75 percent. Right. Um, now, it can't all be social media, but if you take a look at um, Instagram accounts, I mean, I don't know, dude. Uh, it's a lot. It's a it's a lot, especially for a young woman to deal with. It is, you know, and I, I and I shouldn't speak I shouldn't speak much on it because I'm I'm a dude who's 38. Well, you know, when we were growing up, it was still, always it was always magazines. Oh, these magazines are making these, you know, these people feel inadequate or whatever. But now, yeah, but I mean, a, magazine, like, a magazine doesn't ding at you. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Know, it's like, know, doesn't it's know like, about the hot yeah, it's, right. it's pretty fucking wild. And I could not suggest more uh, that if you were born after 1995 to just like throw your phone out the fucking window of a moving yeah, car. Stop. I mean, I can't explain to you how, you know, uh, freeing it is to just live a life without it. You, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know how else to say it 
Um, because like it was just, you know, a year ago when I was highly involved in it. Right. Um, but I'm happier now. Same. Um, and I got sucked into it. Um, all the things that we were saying are toxic are things that we were doing. Yeah. Um, so exactly. I'm not saying we were any different than anyone else that's on there, but, uh, and not only that, but like we're professionals. Uh, and when we post things publicly, uh, it doesn't look good on us. And I, you no. know, I had, I was always afraid of, you know, being turned in or, uh, you know, saying the wrong thing because everyone's so easily offended. They may not get my humor. And now my whole career is messed up because of me trying to impress strangers on the internet. And I, I had to take a hard look at myself and be like, why am I doing this? Uh, well, what I, was gla- I-, I was glad to, I was glad to be there so you can see it happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, watching Kevin's uh, incidents definitely helped me uh, reprogram my mind um, to be able to break the habit. And when people ask me now, oh, well, why don't you just get like a personal Instagram so you can? That's like I, telling an alcoholic to drink yeah. a, just drink a beer. Like yeah, it's I, not. I, a I tried it didn't work doesn't work it 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 sucks you in it literally is like drugs um you know people you know you're if you look on your phone and you see how much time you spend on certain apps it will make you sick to your stomach yeah Um, i I really wish that i uh was on social media still when ios 12 came out for the iphone i'd really like to see the difference in screen time Right. Now, my, now mine's just all PUBG Mobile and uh, <laughs> yeah, and like in like a news app. Right. People are always, oh well, how are you gonna you know find out stuff about uh, you know because you're in there are some positive aspects of Facebook or whatever like you, yeah user groups for like airplane types or car yeah. types and stuff like that I do miss that but you want to know what I do I just uh, open up the parts manual and right. How did people learn things about their hobbies before the internet? Oh well. Books, friends, yeah, you know, books. There, you can do it. Uh, yeah, so, you can do it. I, if, I, I, if I can do it, you can do it. Exactly. And it, the first two weeks, you're going to be reaching for that app, and it's not going to be there. And you're going to be like, "Wow, I was really messed up." And then, and then it starts to gradually go away. And now you can pay attention to people who really matter. And no offense to the listeners here, but you know, you <laughs> live, I mean, you need to live your own life. Like, yeah, you're, but you're literally, you're literally human garbage. Right. <laughs> so that's what Kurt's saying. No, but your, your, your family, your your real life friends, those are the people you need to be focused on. In my opinion, uh, do what you want to do, but that's why we're off Instagram. So, yeah. next that. question. That was, that, was, that was a nice long rant from both of us. <laughs> next question. Let me, thank you, MH. This is a really this is a really good question coming up. I like yeah. this. What are your thoughts on the 1500 rule regarding ATP minimums? Do more flat hours or quality of trading make a pilot great? Can I answer this first? Yeah, go ahead. My thoughts on the 1500 hour rule is one of the best things that happened to the industry because any any, uh, barriers to entry um, make our pay go up. And and it has gone up a lot. A lot. Especially, Um, Especially on the entry level. So for people who don't know the past... Before uh, about 2007, you had to have just the market demanded at least 1,500 hours. In some points in history, you had to have 3,000 hours just to get into the right Siva to beach 1,900. So not much has really changed. It was only about 2008 on where they were hiring 250-hour you know, pilots. So 
if anyone is complaining about having to to burn a couple years uh, earning 1500 hours, they are very short sighted because if it went back down to that 250 hours, our pay is going to go back down. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. You know, I uh, I need 25 and 500 multi, 2,500 hours and 500 multi to get a job at, you know, brand X. And then by the time I upgraded to captain, I was fine with guys at 250 hours. And that was a two-year span. So the second part of the question you can answer too, which is do more flight hours and, or quality of training make a great pilot? That's very contentious. Yeah, that's contentious because here's the thing is um, – I think yes, but it's sort of um, it's sort of anecdotal because the fact of the matter is in places like Europe where they're taking people off the street and turning them to airline pilots in what eight months, uh, their airplanes haven't been falling out of the skies. Okay. Now that said, you watch videos they the same pilots post Instagram and they're yoke pumping like crazy because they have no feel for an airplane because they don't know how to fly a fucking airplane. Right. I mean. Uh, Right. Well, it's okay. The way I would answer this is, can you physically fly the plane fine after 250 hours? Yes. But there are things, there are pieces of experience that you can only get through time. I have about 9,000 hours now and I still have stuff happen that I'm like, holy crap, I have never seen this before. Right. It's a, it's a very good point. There's things that you will always never see and you know, I like you, I'm like, you know, over 10,000 hours or, you know, somewhere close to there. And, you know, I feel like I'm an experienced pilot, but I'm nothing compared to some of the dudes I sit next to. Some of the guys I sit next to have 32,000 hours. You know, we maybe have the same handling skills of the, of, of the airframe, but we do not have the same skills for analyzing a, uh, a situation, a, a situation because yeah. there's, a lot, there's a lot more pieces, you know, you, you use experience to prevent bad decisions, but you get experience from making bad decisions. And right. you're putting people into these airplanes carrying, I don't know what they carry over in like you know, a Ryanair uh, 7.3 or EasyJet or whatever, but you're putting these people in a situation with, you know, next to captains who also aren't very high time right. uh, and demanding a lot of them. But again, they're not falling out of the sky in Europe. Right. Uh, they are a bit in Asia, if we're honest. But You're right, um, right. Uh, I don't know. I guess fly Dubai, plant some every once in a while too. But that's there's some other issues there. I too. mean, so have so have we in the United States. I mean, yeah, we, I guess I like guess the regional airplanes that have crashed in the last twenty years. It's it. They're mostly yeah. just. I was gonna say they're making mistakes with seven thirty sevens that we stopped making in the nineties. I think overall, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's it's hard to really comment too strongly on that because you know the fact of the matter is that. They've engineered safety systems and training systems that preclude some experience, but I just don't think it's a good replacement for it. Nope. Uh, next question. What's your favorite approach to fly? And it's, he also asks, comment on your airline's crew scheduling department. Uh, second one is a no. I will not comment no. uh, my airline's crew scheduling department, besides that they're very professional. Uh, yeah, overworked, but professional. Yes, yeah, sure. they're very professional. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, the first one, what's your favorite approach to fly? Mine is easily the harbor visual into Portland, Maine. Yeah, that's a great approach. I don't know if it's my favorite, but that's way up there. When the weather's nice, ooh, in the fall. In the fall, yeah. Ooh, baby. Um, Beautiful. I haven't been up there in a very long time. Actually, I was flying with a friend of yours, father, who's 
retired from U.S. Airways. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, uh, he's probably listening. He's probably listening. Oh, we love you, Jeff. Anyway, um, for me, shit. You know, going to my roots, especially visual. That's a good one. Especially visual three one. You know, it's uh, Warrior. It's, it's just yeah, it's it's just too good. I mean, that's outside of. You know, my own airplane, a beam to numbers, powered to idle, and a full slip all the way to touchdown. Uh, definitely. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's leave it at Expressway Visual 3-1 LaGuardia. All right, next question. Yeah, all right. What kind of things make for a good pilot slash aviator? Both things that are natural and things one can learn. Oh, God, I could write a book about this. Um, well, start now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it comes down to attitude, really. Like a lot of it is is just your personality. Uh, I mean, CRM is probably the most important. Crew resource management is probably one of the most important things in an airline environment. Um, it doesn't really matter. Um, you could be like an okay pilot, but if you're if you're good with people, that's a captain I want to fly with. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, involved. Uh, doesn't have a big ego. Admits when they're wrong, um, stuff like that, and I, I yeah. think that that is natural. Um, yeah, it certainly is. Well, this thing is, if we're talking about a good pilot aviator in a crew environment, for sure. I'm trying to think of like maybe some single seat stuff that makes, but it's tough because he, I think people who are attentive and sort of present make good pilots. You know, people who yeah. aren't going to be constantly lost in thought. Um, yeah. Because you have to, especially airplanes that have no autopilot. Like, could you imagine being a kind of person whose mind wanders and getting into like a Piper Navajo in 1986 and flying checks through the night? Like, you probably can't let your mind wander too much. Right. Um, but you're right about that's actually sort of the next question with you know CRM that's going to yeah. be coming up. You know, uh, just go ahead and ask it. We can. Yeah. About. Well, yeah. That's uh, next question is horror stories of bad captain or first officer. How do you maintain healthy CRM environment with someone you don't get along with? Um, that's one of the hardest parts of the job, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely the hardest part of professional aviation is dealing with people you don't want to deal with. Um, it's not uh, every day this happens, but there are some personalities that just don't mix. And there are a lot of aggressive, not great personalities amongst the pilot corps. It's just that so many people are have those bad attitudes that when they get together, it just makes one synergistic worse attitude. But they like each other because they're both negative people. Um, so it, that's tough. It's hard to give examples uh, without revealing too much. Yeah. Uh, well, you want to? I'll use a story I used in uh, a uh, interview. It was an interview for a job I got. But I had a guy uh, in the airplane. I used to fly as a single FMS, and I'm the captain of this airplane. And we're just in cruise, and I uh, go to the single FMS just to. I, don't know, I was going to like the progress page. I think I was looking for like the outside air temperature or something like that. And the dude sitting next to me slapped my hand. <laughs> I've had my hand slapped too. Yeah, but this was by uh, my first officer. Who, oh, <laughs> uh, that's even uh, worse. Yeah, well, it is worse because uh, you mentioned second career guys, but so this guy is older than myself. Yeah, uh, and to my face, you know, this is there's a lot leading up to this, but to my face, told me that he should be the captain because he's he's older than me. Mm. Um, you know, despite the fact that he had thousands of less hours and no seniority to speak of, uh, but 
you know, he was a sergeant in the army, so he should be better suited to be a captain of an airliner than myself was already a captain for many, many years. Um, so how do you deal with things like that? Um, how do you maintain a healthy CRM environment? Uh, you, you sort of don't in that, in that situation, the best you can do is sort of fall back to the very minimums of, uh, policies and procedures, sort of like the biggest barrier you can use against making mistakes. Right. And just, cause I mean, that was, uh, one hour into a nearly three hour flight. Right. And look, I mean, if, if it comes down to it, you can remove yourself. I've removed myself once. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, and, I, and I and I removed this guy after we landed. Right. Um, you know, there's there's no way. I you know when it, we had no words in, in the cockpit. I just said we're going to talk about this when we get on the ground. But you're never to touch another crew member again. Right. Um, and then when we got on the ground, we had words uh, away from the airplane. Um, and then he was removed from the trip. I don't think he ever faced any uh, consequences for it. Not, nor do I think he really should have in a, a learning moment. Um, well, yeah, a lot of a lot of things like that can be taken care of within the pilot union and not with the yeah. company. Yeah, that doesn't. You don't to want on. to try to ruin someone's career because they hurt your ego or whatever. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of that. Uh, yeah. I hurt their ego, and I was turned into the FAA. So yeah, let's let's move on. Uh, yeah, let's skip down to this this question, which I think is really good. Which is, would you rather fly a twin piston engine or a single turboprop over Tiger Country, um, <laughs> hy hypothetically with identical maintenance standards? So, would you rather fly a piston twin engine airplane or a single turboprop, Kevin? And uh, hypothetically identical maintenance standards. Yeah, uh, I have enough confidence in myself that I'll say uh, piston twin. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree uh, with you there. At least you had the chance to to to. Yeah, to, people to people die in piston twins all the time because they don't fly them often enough. If you're flying for a living, you're probably going to be okay um, handling a single engine because you practice it enough. And then also you got to think like how heavy are you and how high up is is the ground because if you're flying through the rockies then you then your single engine service ceiling might be below the mountains and that's a different but if it's sea level flatland then i definitely want a twin piston engine because at least you have the chance to to get somewhere and land yeah i think that was a cool question but yeah uh, i like that uh, yeah, that's that one's about EAs, uh, ATPLs. Uh, we talked about that. Let's. Uh, yeah, well, I had a second question. What's the best way to deal with surge in a jet? Uh, retarded throttle. Thank you, Brother Rabbit One Hundred One. Do do do. Actually, that was just part of my training this last week. Yay! I, I like this question too because you like beer so much. Uh, the Oz pilot asks, "If you could be any European beer, which one would you be and why?" Oh man, oh boy, uh, so many to choose from. I, I, I'm going to go with my, the crispiest of my boys, the Heineken. You know, it's not made with any filler like American beers. Good malt and hop character. Yeah, that's me. And I, and I, and I like the Dutch attitude towards things. <laughs> uh, I don't drink, so I can't answer that. But uh, <coughs> I know. I'm so lame. Um, a lot of these questions we've answered about Instagram. Uh, yeah, why do we delete our Instagram accounts? Naples Bound, I believe you've heard that already. I'm sorry that you were late to the party. It was a pretty good party while it lasted. It was a pretty good party while it lasted. Um, I still have somewhere on my phone the picture of someone that drew 
me and an Ember 190 that was on fire, and it's just, <laughs> and it's, that just, this just warms my heart. You cultivated a pretty good following. I did. I it was a very specific and intense following, and uh, not everybody understood it. No, very clearly, not everybody understood it. Just <laughs> why uh, I've learned so many troubles, but those who did understand it, oh boy, thank you. That, yeah, thank you. Thank you for under, thank you for getting the joke. Thank you for being a normal human being. Yeah, yeah. And for those who didn't get the joke, I never hated the Embryo 190. funny. We answered the question about what would you do differently with your flight training. So um, what about this Airbus versus Boeing, which is, uh, From, was asked a lot. It was asked by a lot. And this one is, I see you chose the one that was by Jeff. Jeff, I see you. Don't ask stupid questions. You fly an Embraer anyway. Um, I've never flown a Boeing, but oh, uh, right. I'll I flew uh, McDonnell Douglas. I'll take Airbus over any of those except maybe a seven eighty seven or triple seven. But if we're talking Airbus three twenty compared to Boeing seven three. I'm sorry, but oh yeah, they really, Airbus really, any they're day. Really, yeah, they really no is. comparison. Yeah, there really is. I just hate these questions because everybody asks these questions who's never flown them. And it's always like some twelve-year-old who like is a, I don't know, whatever the equivalent of a chat group is today, and they have fights over this stuff. It's like just just go take pictures pictures of them at the airport and stop asking me this question. I have flown both, and I'll fly either. It doesn't matter. Uh, either with the except for a seven thirty-seven. Except for a seven thirty-seven. I will quit my job before I fly a seven thirty-seven. <laughs> you want to know what big? No, I, I'm going to take that back because. No, no, Watch well, me get furloughed and recalled for a 7.3. I would, I don't know what I would do. Well, just look at the overhead panel. Ugh. I mean, come on. It's miserable. It's, it's, 20, it's 2018. They keep stretching that stupid thing. They stretch it so much they have to put new landing gear on it. Have you seen that? The Max 1000? Like, they have to, like, like the oh. gear has to retract in, like, 17 <laughs> different directions because Boeing engineers are lazy. <laughs> Just design a new airplane. I mean, like, or a better how? idea, restart production of the seven five because the seven yeah. five. Uh, I'm sorry, Justin, this is too much cursing for you, but that airplane fucks, and yeah. it's it's great. So, all right, I like this next question. Um, if you want to ask it, the uh, the one right below it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, by Wow Tang. Yeah, oh, Wow Tang. Is that like, well, that's just a weird spelling of Wu-Tang. Anyway, did uh, you ever regret becoming a pilot or when... Oh, Jesus. Did you ever regret becoming a pilot or when you, or you were a child, did you ever dream of something else? I don't regret becoming a pilot, but I have a list of jobs that I would like to do um, besides being a pilot. Um, Subsistence farmer. We know that one. Subsistence farmer, I think I would make a good psychologist because... Anyone who's a first officer understands that you also are a psychologist. Because <laughs> I, I basically have a PhD in psychology just by being a first officer for so long. PhD. I was only a captain. baby boomers into doing what you yes. want to do. <laughs> exactly right. Like, um, if, if you don't want to get an aviation degree, but you still want to be a pilot, become a psychologist. It will be, it is the most... Yeah, that's uh, a, relevant. That's a really big, to our job. <laughs> that is a really big mood. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! You're not wrong about that. Uh, do I? There are you know there are moments I regret it, um, but not many. 
and if I were doing anything else, I would have done something the hard sciences, sinuses, hard sciences. Hit me with that geology bullshit, you know? Woo! Rocks. That's some hot shit. Right. Uh, uh, when y'all Let's come back to IG, nope. Sorry, Mike Glory. We're done. Uh, you mark this to not be asked, but I'm asking it anyway. Why are the cheese filled breadsticks from Quick Trip the best gas station food in the country? I'm going to answer that one too, <laughs> at, at Waggy. They aren't. They aren't. The best uh, gas station food in the country is the General So's chicken sandwich uh, that runs oh my God. from the uh, month of August at uh, get-go gas stations in your uh, Ohio, western Pennsylvania area. I mean, th- no, it's, th- it's so good. It's fried chicken uh, covered in General So's sauce with two egg rolls put on top. Like, <laughs> A sriracha mayo on like a semolina sesame like bread and you can't beat that and right. the cheese filled breadsticks from quick trip are really good but like i put them below like 7-eleven taquitos uh bought at an airport 7-eleven because some airports have 7-elevens and it's the best sorry Wuggy. you lose <laughs> um, redheads are awesome asks best entry in your logbook that's a good question that is a good question. Huh. This sound is my one of my logbooks hitting the table because it just happens to be here. Um, I'm going to just say my solo flight. Um, maybe even after my after that, probably my glider solo flight, which was actually pretty recent. Um, and then the flight after that, probably my uh, first passenger as a private pilot, which was my dad. Oh, that's pretty. I sweet. think those three were probably the coolest. Yeah, I. I have a hard time answering that. The, the solo is a pretty interesting one, but uh, I'm just flipping through, and here's <laughs> reassigned to fly Charlotte to Wilmington to Charlotte, cabin fire in Wilmington on departure, <laughs> uh, return to ground and evac, three hours for maintenance to find the problem. That was a fun one. There you go. Uh, that was flying for Brand X. So that was a fun one. Yeah, let's go there. This is I mean, uh, if you want me to open my Q400 pages, <laughs> I could. I, I think there's a question later on about declaring emergencies. Well, we could have a whole podcast on that airplane. Um, uh, good gravy. Let's go down to the – oh, yeah, the, the next uh, question is about emergencies. Um, you want to answer uh, or ask that? Uh, have, you, have you had to declare any emergencies or had any moments that made you scared? If you met someone who believed in chemtrails, what would you do say to convince them otherwise? Two part. Uh, right. The second part, I, I wouldn't try to convince anyone of anything because I don't care what they believe. Um, that's, that's because they're idiots. Yeah, I just don't care care enough to try to explain someone who believes in chemtrails, you know. Because um, you're not going to change your mind. I mean, conspiracy theorists are stuck in their own mindset, and that's fine. I don't care. Um, oh yeah! If you haven't seen it, you got to watch the like the Jim Jeffries like PizzaGate interview where they interviewed all these. <laughs> I think none of them could uh, agree on their own conspiracy theories. It was amazing. Have you heard the conspiracy theory? This look this up on YouTube. People think that airplanes have airplanes have the technology to not use aviation fuel, and they use just compression through the engines, and that all the airports. Are, they have fake fuel trucks. It's a real thing that people actually believe that they, that aviation fuel is not real, and that they are doing it to to get more ticket money. Huh. 
Look I'm, it up. I'm curious. Airplanes do not use They're, fuel. I went down that rabbit hole for about an entire day once watching these people talk about how there's no fuel. And in it, you know, I find myself doing my walk around and I'm like, well, maybe there isn't fuel in there. Uh, <laughs> um, oh boy, yeah, there's like four videos. Right, exactly. Yeah, that, and that's just that's just the start. No, no thank you. I'm not doing that. Uh, the, the first part of the question is, have you had to declare any emergencies or had any moments that, that had you scared? I've lost two engines and a single engine airplane. One was an off-field landing. One I made it to an airport. Um, it oh, was yeah. pretty scary. And one of them made the news. Um, but that's just kind of the paying your dues aspect, I guess. Yeah, making I got, it general aviation. I got real lucky with that because I – most of my general aviation is done at like a big aviation university and their maintenance was so good that there's like very rarely any problems. And by the time I had emergencies like in jets, you don't get scared. You just, maybe there's a level of concern, but that's okay. about it. Okay. All right. We're going pretty long. So let's, let's get through these. Let's uh, keep going. Let's keep going. Corporate or airlines? Whatever you want. Yeah. It, it's so Next. personal. Um, what would you change in the aviation industry if you could, and how would it affect everyone who was involved in the industry? I'd get paid more. This uh, Not paid more. I'd actually work less with the same pay. Yeah, working less, I think. Uh, Southwest has it right with their three-day trips. I mean, yeah. I, I think three-day trip is perfect. Yeah, and that's, that's mostly what I fly is three-day trips. Um, yeah. Although I do back-to-back them for six days just because I don't want to commute as much. But, yeah, what would I change in the aviation industry? Um, I would like to see more diversity in the people that we work with. Uh, absolutely. Uh, that, which is, a, which is a big big thing, which is something I really enjoyed about Instagram, is uh, seeing a lot of young people of color, um, young women, yes. and stuff yep. like that, who are, who are coming up. And, absolutely. Uh, and I don't know if I did a good job of encouraging them uh, or not. But like, I want to do nothing more but encourage them because Same. it's it's damn near monoculture and it's really really bad. There are three uh, work uh, what are they called uh, trade groups that I try to give money to: uh, uh, National Gay Pilots Association, Women in Aviation, and uh, uh, what's the OBAP? OBAP, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're a person of color or, or a female or, or a gay or whatever, and you're trying to get into the industry, um, check out those resources. They have a yeah, lot of spon- uh, sponsorships. Hit them, up. hit them up. Join at a young age. They can help you with your career, get started. Please come fly with us. Uh, that's all we're going to say. Um, yeah. <laughs> Drizzle, will you ever fly a Cessna again? That's from Limey's Grill. Oh, another, another guy who uh, mostly left Instagram. Makes great uh, ribs. Anyway, yes. Yes. Cessna yes. or Piper from Sean Makaloff. Uh, they're both great. Depends bo- on the mission. They're both great. I still lean towards uh, like chair types. Sorry, Roy, if you're out there listening. I'll file 182 over anything. Yeah, that was, that's the thing. Is, you're not wrong. Uh, 182s are like the sweet spot for like private airplanes for sure. Uh but like when it comes to like the low level stuff, like 150 or Cherokee 140, you know, Cherokee 140 every time. 
Same with like Cherokee 160 to 180. I'll take that over over Skyhawk every single day. All right, Pilot Jordy. You want to ask that? Uh, okay. Uh, will you ever will you deliver food from the West Side Market? I guess it's actually me since it's a Cleveland question. Will you, yeah, will you deliver food from the West Side Market to Raleigh Durham if I buy you anything you want from the Pick and Pig? When are you dropping the Chef Drew's cookbook? That's from Pilot Jordy. Oh, Pilot Jordy. She, she's good shit. Uh, will I deliver? Yes, actually, yes. Uh, I'll exchange uh, goods from the West Side Market uh, from the, for Pick and Pig. I just need to have good enough weather to fly a Satabri that far. Yeah, Which, I've been uh, to Pick and Pig many times. It's a and, great place. And I've taken you to the West Side Market. You have. Both are amazing places. If you live in North Carolina, fly to Pick and Pig. Or Stanton's Barbecue. That's not on the map, but look it up on Google. Stanton's Barbecue is a grass strip in the middle of nowhere. Next yeah, question. Yeah, I need to go there. Also, but my Chef Drew's cookbook, never because all my recipes are from somebody else anyway. Uh, Chef John, look up Food Wishes. Food Wishes on YouTube. Uh, next question, you said. Huh? Um, what are the biggest differences of a life as a commercial pilot in Europe? Or the U.S. We can't answer that because we've never been one in Europe. Um, what is better handled for pilots in Europe compared to the U.S. airlines? And I don't know. What no, that's no. All I know is it seems like a lot of pilots in Europe need to supplement their income with like uh, a face cream sponsorship. So I'm going to say it's better in the U.S. right it's now. Than the US. Right now it is. I think so. Right now it's better. I mean, I'm sure there's some airlines over there that. Well, okay, but it's harder to get into. Yeah, they, well, they, their whole industry has been destroyed by the low-class carriers, which is great for young people who want to become pilots because the pilot corps has expanded so much, which is why you see so many young, beautiful people on Instagram being pilots over there. Um, but I know for a fact that as a first officer of 767, I make more than most of their captains, so right. with more time off. So it's right. uh, hard to say that uh, it's not better in the States right now. That's you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's if you're forgetting like the last 15 years. Right. That could change at any moment. Yes. Um, Save your pennies, everybody. Aside. Okay. The next question is from Rick, um, CH1. Aside from an emergency, what's the most exhilarating experience you've had behind the controls? Doing glider aerobatics easily was the coolest thing I've ever done in a plane. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's probably just sort of snapping to the realization that I was sitting in my own airplane yeah, and doing whatever I wanted with it. That is cool. That, yeah. That's, that's definitely, definitely mine. All right. Next. All right. Uh, how does the whole airline bidding system work by Braxton, the pilot? It's by seniority. Um, you, within your base, you bid for the days that you want or a number of different, things and 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 then if it's available you get it if it's not someone senior to you got it it's yeah. that simple and that uh pretty much describes the two main systems anyway there's line bidding which you get to bid on uh, entirely constructed monthly schedules where they'll hand out 300 monthly schedules and you bid them and you get them in seniority order and even with preferential bidding system which is what we use which we just bid preferences is still the same thing yeah uh, with some tweaks it's just that you can tweak what you want a little better um, unless you're talking about equipment bids, then it's sort of like uh, the line bidding, where it's just assigned in seniority order. You, you say, "This is what I want to bid. This is what I want to fly, airplane and base wise." And if you can get it, you can get it. If you can't, you can't. 
All right, next question by Jetlag Jeff. Jetlag Jeff. Go ahead. This is the second, second question. Do you fly gliders to maintain your pilot size because the, the Airbus flies itself? Why not choose the Boeing like the Drizzle? Uh, that's a good question. No, I don't do that. Um, the Airbus doesn't fly itself, despite uh, <laughs> what everyone thinks. Yeah. It's always a, you know, I've said it a thousand times, there's people who hate the Airbus and people who have flown it. Exactly. This is, clearly exactly. these, this is clearly an Airbus hating question. Why not choose the Boeing? Because my seniority isn't as good on it, and I like to go to Seattle, and I like to go to San, uh, San Diego. Oh, so. I miss I miss And I, the islands. I, I just had a Cancun and a Montego Bay, so there yeah, you go. I miss West Coast overnights in, like, a major way. Right. I got I to I gotta be that left seat of that Airbus and get back there. Next question from Fly with Lauren. Will Kevin's lawn look like Jurassic Park for the holidays again? Uh, yes. Actually, we're way behind. And <laughs> I squandered the one good weather day to get dinosaurs into the yard. Now I'm going to work tomorrow, so it's going to be at least another week. Kevin and his wife um, have about 50 gigantic blow-up holiday dinosaurs that they put in their yard every year. 50 is an exaggeration, but if they manufactured or sold an inflatable Christmas dinosaur lawn ornament in the last, what do you think, Bridge, the last nine years? Uh, yeah. If it made and sold one in the last nine years, we own it, and it goes up in our very small front yard. And, uh, uh, to their to their neighbors' chagrin. Um, to, my, to my neighbors' chagrin. We get a lot of uh, uh, well, it's it's very split. We either get a lot of happy honks and waves while I'm putting them up, or I get some really mean looks. And usually, the mean looks are from pickup trucks with Trump stickers. So, draw your own conclusions. <laughs> she she also asked, has he ever asked a flight attendant for an air sample? So this mostly happens at the regionals, but you can talk about. Uh, tricks you play on uh, new flight attendants yeah there's a lot of hazing that goes on with new flight attendants uh, especially at the regionals because uh they essentially hire them straight out of high school and give them the faa minimum amount of training and don't tell them a thing i've actually personally never done it uh, because they're my co-workers and i'd like to respect them <laughs> yeah i mean they're all they're also just human beings and it's, you know right you know it's, it's nice to just not be an asshole so, right. Well, one thing that people do is they ask them to t to go ask the uh, the rampers for the key to the airplane. Um, yeah. So and, I don't the, know. and the and the air sample gag is you you essentially make them run up and down the aisle with a trash bag, <laughs> fill the trash bag with air like, with everybody on board. Which I mean, that is a very funny image. But you're in the cockpit; you don't get to see it anyway. Right. Uh, and again, I don't know. I don't feel like. It's great to humiliate a person that you're supposed to work with, especially yeah, like they're in, already in nervous enough. And it's also it's like a safety sensitive position where it's like I'd like them to just like feel confident in their job. Right. So next question is sorry to be the, a downer. Yeah. What's the craziest thing you've seen while flying? Hmm. Uh, John Brog or any weird UFO stuff. Never seen any UFOs. Uh, never seen UFOs. Craziest thing? Not much crazy. You see a lot of beautiful things. Especially, beautiful things. Yeah. Especially North Atlantic flying uh, a lot of the Aurora Borealis, which, you know, unless you're one of those, like, what's that one Dutch, like, Instagram pilot who has, must carry, like, $50 billion worth of camera, <laughs> camera equipment to get those shots. Yeah. Uh, but, like, honestly, cameras don't capture it. Um, no, they don't. Because, you know, stuff like the Aurora Borealis, if, if you're really in it, it feels like you're flying through it sometimes. That's really cool. Um, a, lot of, a lot of shooting stars. That's really cool. 
I think the coolest thing I ever saw is flying over Greenland. And um, uh, sometimes there'll be an optical illusion where you can't tell. You know, it'd be like, oh, the cl- mountains are sticking out of the clouds. And you realize that's not a cloud. That is snow and ice that's like a mile thick. Like, it takes your brain a while to figure that out. Most of the crazy things that I've had happen are because are passenger induced. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could we could have a podcast on that, but but That's, we'll move on. So yeah. this next question is pretty good. Um, if you want to ask, oh me. yeah, this is a good one. We'll have to break this one up a bit. But what is your personal outlook on the future of Part One Twenty One Aviation? Specifically, are they more positive or critical of the pipeline of young pilots? Are the regionals operating sufficiently, or are they becoming a mess? Do they think, or I guess, do we think the ominous waves of retirement quotations will arrive before recession furloughs or overstaffing by aviation? Yeah, well, seven thirty seven. That's a really that's, good question. That's a good. That's the question for the ages, man. Yeah, <laughs> but personally, uh, on personal outlook, future one twenty one aviation. I think for you and I, generation of pilots, I think we're going to see it through to our end just by a hair to 65 or whatever it happens to be in two-person cockpits. I think people starting now, I think a portion of their career is going to be in a single-person cockpit. Um, But things like AI, artificial intelligence, could could advance by leaps and bounds, sort of quantum leaps, without us being able to plan for it. So that's all. Yeah, it could happen overnight. It could happen happen close to overnight. especially with companies like Google sinking, or I should say Alphabet Corporation, sinking a lot of uh, money into that kind of stuff. If you want to learn more about AI, listen to Sam Harris's podcast called The Waking Up Podcast. He talks a lot about AI, and uh, it's it's on the horizon. So Yeah, it's on the, uh, it's on the horizon. Uh, are well, it's they, already oh, here, oh, really. Yeah. Uh, I guess this question is, are we more positive or critical of the pipeline of young pilots? I, th- I don't know about you, but I think my impressions of the new pipeline were colored negatively by instagram uh, yeah but but also but you know but also a lot of a lot, a lot i met a lot of very respectful uh young uh, aviators on there that yeah. i mentor to this day because of how polite and uh uh you know just they're you could tell they were raised right but there's yeah. a lot of people in there yeah. that made me think oh my gosh if these are yeah. the people that are going to be in my right seat and they will, oh, and and they will be. I mean, the few come to mind that are at wholly owns who like got hired, and like three weeks later, they're acting like they are on our level, which um, might sound pretty shitty of me, but like there's 15 years and 10,000 hours between the two of us, you know? Right. So <laughs> it, it mixed signals there, man. Um, yeah. As Tough. far as uh, are the regionals operating sufficiently, or are they becoming a mess? I think they've always been a mess. I think, I, think the less, whole, I think they're less of a mess now than they ever have been. The the whole model's broken, in my opinion, but that's another whole podcast we could go on. Yeah, I mean, the model is broken. Uh, but since the pay is raised, they're back to being on time, for the most part. I mean, yeah, really, yeah, that's true. Uh, so now, this wave of retirement, this ominous wave of retirements, it's finally here. It is. I mean, I uh, I woke up at some point a few weeks ago and realized I could be a captain at this airline in the uh, Airbus or seven, three right and, now. Yeah. All right. Right. This minute and have like a hundred people below me, which is wild and uh, crazy. My hope is that 
with it finally arriving, that it can at least temper the next downturn for yeah. people who are uh, currently in the pipeline. I mean, people who yeah. aren't working at a 121 carrier, uh, when the next downturn happens, are going to face similar problems that I did, where it you know, took a good five years to get a job at my first airline, you know, between, uh, you know, becoming a commercial pilot, like an actual working commercial pilot to getting a job. I think you're going to see a lot more of that. Um, but I think for people who are already actively working, I think there's going to be enough of a retirement wave to keep people from all losing their jobs. Now that is purely speculation. Yeah. But I mean, our airline alone is going to retire 900 people a year at a clip for what, six years. Yeah. And then the years that aren't 900 a clip, it's like 700 a clip. So I don't know. Uh, figure a 10 year span, they're going to lose 8,000 pilots. It's more than half of our airline. I mean, something bad can happen that would lose half the airline pilots in the nation, but it's hard to envision what that would be. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good question. Next is from Faxi. Well, building time to get to the airlines, what was your biggest hurdle and how do you conquer it? And what advice would you give to pilots hoping to follow in your footsteps? The biggest uh, hurdle for most people is money, um, paying for your flight training and not going into crazy debt to, uh, to, get to, this, to get to this point. How did I overcome that? I got a job when I was 15 and I had very supportive parents. Yeah, but you were building time to get to the airlines at that point. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you know, for for me, it was just the grind of it because I was a just a, like a new flight instructor when nine eleven happened, and <laughs> was immediately furloughed from that job. <laughs> furloughed from uh, a flight instructor job. Furloughed, well, it's nice that uh, yeah, it's nice that we were unionized. I know, but just like, like thinking about that in twenty eighteen is so funny. Yeah, it's it's bizarre uh, looking through the lens of current economics and whatnot. Um, but like the. The grind, like I sold yo-yos in a mall. Right. I donated plasma. I right. did uh, that too. You know, yeah. like to survive. And, uh, but that wasn't even the biggest hurdle. The biggest hurdle is just the grind of it because, right. you know, for five years, nobody hired. Yeah. Um, if you were on short call reserve as an FO making 19 bucks an hour, that's where you stayed. Yeah. For five years. Yeah. And I, mean, I wasn't even there. I was a flight instructor. Um, which I think was actually a better position than being a short call FO at a regional, to be honest. Uh, but if you're not in love with being a flight instructor, that's a long time to be a flight instructor. And I mean, you couldn't even get jobs for a while flying checks in the middle of the night because those were considered better jobs. So like, yeah. you know, what do you do? Um, um, yeah. What advice would you give the pilots hoping to follow in my footsteps? Uh, when I did the podcast last, I just said, keep at it because had I given up when I wanted to give up, I wouldn't be where I am now. Um, but the aviation world is littered with people who didn't give up and still haven't achieved anything. There's a lot of luck in it. Yeah, it's not guaranteed, that's for sure. Um, hey, we skipped over a question real quick. What can a pilot do to get past having one weak eye by Lobster 17? I'm going to assume this person is thinking about being a pilot but then has the weak eye. Uh -huh. uh, being a professional pilot, uh, at least in the United States, it just has to be correctable to 2020, which there's very few conditions that aren't. Um, it's not the military. First class medical, correctable to 2020. Go get some glasses, get some LASIK. If it's a condition that's beyond that, uh, one of my friends who is a private pilot, 
and can hold he can hold us he's a special issuance on his uh, medical uh, he's blind in one eye and he can hold a first class medical so uh get your special insurance if you can't get it corrected yeah go talk to a a, a medical examiner an yeah. aviation medical examiner and they can answer that for you yeah, because um, there's, there's very few things that should really keep you from flying. There's, there's that one chick who uh, learned to fly who had no arms. I feel like you can get over a weak guy. Right. And the people always ask me, too, is like, I'm too short to be a pilot. Well, no. No. You're not. That's all. I mean, one of, my, one of my favorite people in the world in aviation is like, she's like four foot two. You right. Put, put her in your pocket and like she flies jets. So like, I don't know, put on some platform shoes and get flying. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's skip down to, uh, can you explain the rationale for the seniority system used by the airlines? Why not rank pilots by total hours flown rather than how long a pilot has been employed by their airline? That is a good question. That is a good question at Hawkeye Pierce. Uh, I can't explain the rationale. It's just the way it is. Well, I, I can, I can touch on that a little bit. Um, you don't want in a safety environment like we have, you don't want to have people, uh, a merit-based upgrade system or else people yeah. would cut corners to please management. Whereas when you have no reason to cut corners um, because you're not going to get any further in your career by doing so, right. um, you're more likely to operate, operate in a safe way. That's the way I understand it. Yeah. That, that, that's, um, I know I actually, you know, it's, it's funny you say that, but now it's like, I, remember reading things like flying the line parts one and two and things like right. that scenario system is there because it removes favoritism right um you know there's you know flying with some older pelicans who flew in the 70s and 80s talking about fuel savings programs during the fuel embargo and guys would fly around 727s with an engine shut down because there were bonuses for flying with less gas so they would shut an engine down yeah you know uh tell me that's safe so people people always re respond to incentives and Sometimes those incentives are perverse, and their uh, responses to those incentives will be equally perverse, if not more so. So right. it, the seniority system is tough because uh, you don't get to carry your seniority with you if you were to leave one airline to the other. And especially our airline is littered with, uh, uh, I mean, the dead bodies of people's careers because, yeah. seniority, because the seniority system is so messed up, and it's really a shame. I mean, really, yep. a shame. it is it's sort of a some of that stuff is criminal, to be honest. But it's been really. a rough going the last thirty years. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's skip down to if you could change one decision you have made over your entire career, what would it be? That's a pretty good question. <sighs> I have a hard time looking backwards and saying. I know there's a decision I would rather have made. Um, I, know, I every, like where I'm at. Yeah, every decision I've made has gotten me here, uh, where I am now. And uh, frankly, some of my friends who might hear this might think I'm an asshole for saying, but frankly, I got here ahead of a lot of my peers. You know, in my in my cohort. Me too. Uh, I got into the position I was in uh, a year or two, if not more, than others. Uh, a lot of decisions in this in this industry are made. For you, meaning yeah. like you can make as many plans as you want, and things are just going to happen that are beyond your control. Yeah, that's a very that's that is very very true. I had dreams of working for uh, the best regional airline in the world uh, because it was based near where I was from, and they didn't call me. Tom Air, 
right? Uh, well, Comair and Expression Comair was already hitting the skids back then. Mm-hmm. Um, they're already on. They're already on their decline. Even though they were, uh, I don't think they were even hiring. But like you know, Express Jet uh, didn't call me. I was already employed at another airline that was based in the same area that uh, you know was the worst place to work. But had I had I left that place to go to my dream airline of Express Jet, uh, put that dream airline in quotes, um, I would still be there. Bar, you know, yeah, well, you know, there's no question about it. I would still be there because I never would have made captain until like three or four years ago, maybe five years ago. So it's Hard to say that any decision I've made in the past that would change because so far so good. Right. Sorry. Sorry. Right. Sorry for the boring answer. Um, yeah. One two. All right. We have a few questions left, and then we're going to get to the winners of the best question. Um, how does CFI training work? Did you compose your own lo- lesson plans? And what is your what license is your favorite? I guess like what license was your favorite to earn? Ooh. Um. My glider license, my commercial glider license was my favorite to earn. Mm. CFI training is probably one of the hardest ratings you're going to get. Yeah, um, it takes a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. A lot of yes, stuff. you do compose your own lesson plans. Yeah, um, I, still have, I still have my big binder of lesson plans. Giant binder. It was awful. Um, it's like reinventing the wheel for no reason. Um, but CFI is very rewarding. Um, when you have your first student solo, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so. that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, favorite license for me, I don't, I don't know. I think my first like command type rating was probably my favorite, which isn't really a license, but yeah, getting getting a getting a, a type rating in a in a jet was pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, what's the best way to gain hours after or during one forty one schooling by Boutier Jacob? It's very personal. There's a lot of uh, variables that go into it that only you can answer, but most people are CFIs. Yeah, CFIs, because you know the world of flying checks and freight almost doesn't exist anymore at the lowest levels. I mean, think about it. Like you don't, they don't fly cancel checks around anymore. They scan them. Right. There's you know. a lot of jobs that aren't around anymore that we did or that were around our era that aren't there anymore. CFI is probably like the most, uh, that's what most people do. So, right. And like, uh, well, you've skipped over my favorite question. How many times should I brush my cat by Brad Hayes? <laughs> uh, as, as many times as you, the cat will allow you to without biting you. Uh, all right. Uh, we have a couple more questions. If you're, this is also by Limey's grill. I, I, I would check out his Instagram. He posts a lot of good, uh, he's, got, he's got the meats. meats. He's got the meats. Limey's underscore grill. If your company paid you seven five seven pay to fly the E one ninety, would you go back? That's questions for you, Kevin. Uh, well, what does seven five seven pay mean? You mean being an FO? Probably not. Captain? Yes. Uh, I do miss the one ninety for certain reasons, mostly being the same time zone all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty sweet. Uh, but it's massively underpaid at our airline, so I don't want to go do it again unless it's paid. You know, <laughs> well, and captain, yeah. of, captain of one ninety should pay more than a fo of a seven five seven six. 
But the way we flew the the 190, you know, on the short routes on the sh- on the uh, shuttle and all that, uh, it it actually performs like a 757. It just climbs like the clappers and does really great things. It's actually a lot of fun. All right, uh, we're down to our last two. What's the secret to a crispy pizza crust by Whiskey Tango Foxtrot? And that's for you, Kevin. Yeah, that is for me. What is the secret to a, a crispy pizza crust? Um, it really depends on how much blood you're willing to drain from your <laughs> wrists to our Lord and Savior of Satan. Now, um, if you figure that out, uh, let me know. Most of it has to do with uh, ingredients and the temperature of the oven. And a home oven just doesn't do it. So okay. that thing I got for my pellet grill uh, definitely helped out. But like, if you're, you, can't get, you can't get your oven over 600 degrees for the most part. All right. Uh, last question in, in, uh, before the winners. And I wanted to pick this as a winner because it's such a good question. But for young pilots coming up, can their social media output affect their airline future? Would you recommend even having social media once reaching your airline goal? And that's by Aviator Diaguinho. Sorry Very about the question. Very good question. Uh, <laughs> I would really suggest that people not have social media at all um, yeah we've yeah i agree i mean and thing is you know forget about just being an airline pilot uh uh think about people who made a joke about uh something on twitter and then landed from their you know before taking off on a flight and then landing to find that they've been fired from their job and they've lost their career and their house and everything else uh there's just no reason anymore I think you can use it responsibly, like if you just have like a Facebook to keep up with your family or whatever. But don't be posting anything at all, ever. Right, just don't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some. It it doesn't matter what it is. Um, someone can take it the wrong way, and it will never disappear. Um, so that's a really good question. Oh, I must say, especially in the United States, because in the United States you do not have the right to be forgotten, whereas in Europe you do. Uh, in Europe, you have the right to be forgotten. Look that up for you guys in there in the EU. Sorry, Britain, uh, but you have the right to be forgotten, which means that the companies will have to delete everything they own on you. That so brings Google, up another Facebook. point we did talk about with yeah. social media: is is the the companies are selling you as they're selling your information to corporations, um, and I don't want to be a cog in that wheel personally. Yeah, it's it's even worse than that. It's not just selling you and your information; they're selling your change in behavior. Yeah. That is the model of Facebook, who remember owns Instagram. They are their business is getting you to change the way you purchase, think, and act. And this isn't some conspiracy theory. Facebook scientists proudly published their papers about how they were able to manipulate their algorithms to make sad people feel sadder. Yep, um, they manipulate the worst. Um, emotions in us because it's more profitable to do so and that's a really bad thing so you're basically a product um for advertisement agencies yeah people are people are paying for you to change your mind and they and they have the science and the tools to change it it's really terrifying it's mess it's messing up our entire society um (laughs) we're getting really deep here let's go to the winner questions um this one is the winner that I chose. Um, it's from at Alpha Whiskey. 
Um, if your question was chosen, just uh, direct message Justin on the Pilot to Pilot Instagram, and he will get you your free headset from Cadence Aviation. So Alpha Whiskey asks, all things being equal, i.e. money, quality of life, etc., would you still be a pilot for a major airline, or would you do something else in aviation? I would definitely do something else in aviation. I would probably be a caravan float pilot in the Caribbean, <laughs> and I would live in a little hut on the beach and uh, make a lot of money and eat fresh fish every day and fly to the islands. That's what I would do. What would you do, Kevin? What I'm doing now. You would, do, you would still do this? Uh, the heavy stuff? Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, you know, I like, I, one of the reasons I really like what I do is I like the heavy machine operator aspects. Um, and man, I really like operating heavy machine and, you know, blasting out of Europe and with a full tank of gas and a full belly yeah. of cargo at max takeoff weight yeah. and dragging that thing up into the, uh, the air where it doesn't want to be right. is, a lot of, is a lot of damn fun. Plus, I was, you know, you know, when I'm not flying an airplane, I'm in places like Budapest. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, like, at least your your layovers are really cool. Yeah, I mean, I I like that a lot. I don't like being tired, but I like that a lot. Yeah. And then uh, the question I p- uh, picked, which some formatting errors happened in the sheet that I have, I believe it's from Crispy Whiffed Pablo. It's a bit long, but the gist is, if you ever run into myself or Kurt in a real life at an airport, would they be bothered if they came over and said hi? Thank you for sharing what they've shared. Or would you prefer to be left alone to battle with Saber, which is our very antiquated uh, computer system? Um, I like that question because uh, I've had nothing but positive interactions in the airport mm-hmm. with people who have stopped me. Mm-hmm. I've exchanged phone numbers with some of those people at the airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying I'm giving you my phone number because I'm not going to. But uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I always appreciate meeting folks who have had, had an impact on. I've always mm-hmm. Every single person to a man or woman has been incredibly pleasant. And if you see me, come say hi. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot more fun to talk to a person face-to-face than it is to uh, do it on Instagram. Agreed. Agreed. I agree with everything you just said. <clears throat> if you're respectful, come up, say hi. We'll chat about whatever. Um, I'm pretty uh, boring in real life. <clears throat> and, uh, I'll probably bore you to death. Uh but I have had a lot of cool interactions. Um, I did have one interaction where I actually had a jump seater uh, come up and embarrass the shit out of me in front of my captain. Um, which that kind of interaction I don't like so much. But he basically came up and said, hey, I know you. I know you from somewhere. I know you from the internet. Okay, try explaining to a 64-year-old captain what Instagram is, why you're on there, why this stranger knows me from there. That was pretty embarrassing so yeah i've had that happen too that was hilarious though i'm just like giving like the uh like the throat cutting sign like stop it yes like i'm like no you don't know me you do not know me he's like yes i do i know who you are and and then he leaves and my captain is sitting there like what was that uh you know one of my one of my favorites uh i have two favorites came from my time on the 190 is when I pull up into the gate and we're shutting down and we're in the middle of like the, you know, the shutdown checklist and uh, I get this frantic knocking on the cockpit door, which is never a good thing ever. <laughs> and I open up 
the cockpit door after we finished the checklist and my incredibly sassy flight attendant is like, apparently I need to follow you on Instagram. And I'm oh like, God, the hell. And I look and there's a guy in first class waving at me like, Oh my God. I'm like, Oh Jesus. <laughs> grown adult. If you're listening right now, I appreciate it. But also that was, that was funny as hell. Yeah. And also I had uh, like a family get off and like the two kids be like, thank you, Drizzle. I'm like, why don't you stop by and see the cockpit? Who was that? Uh, was that the aviation? I can't remember who that was, but it's like, we we don't bite for the most part, uh, unless I'm really hungry and haven't been fed pizza in a while. Speaking which, of which, uh, it's about time to about time to eat pizza, eat dinner. So, anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, thanks, thanks, thanks for the questions, everybody. Yeah. And this is probably the last you'll ever hear from me ever again. <laughs> yeah. Unless you see us in the airport, uh, you'll never hear from us again. We just wanted to clarify a few things. Very fun answering your questions. So, good luck in your careers. Good luck, everybody. Hope to see you at Oshkosh. Bye. Bye. And that is a wrap of episode number 47. Aviation, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Congratulations to those two winners. If you are the one that has won the headset, go ahead and DM me or email me, pilotthepilothq at gmail.com, and I'll send you out those headsets. Aviation, leave us a review. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash pilotthepilot, and happy flying.